Welcome to a new episode of the A-Game Podcast, a new season of the podcast. Been super busy with a lot of work, haven't got to the actual podcast on Spotify, but we're back better than ever, a ton to talk about. I haven't been on here for about a month, but a ton to talk about in this last week of sports. Tons of big events, tons of upsets, and I can't wait to break it down for you right now. Back to our normal Sunday night schedule, look to expand into TikTok soon. I keep saying that, but I'm just having trouble editing videos. It's way harder than you might think. Um, and then just continue the Instagram content. We are going to be going live on Instagram right after this drops. But I want to start with the golf. I want to get right into sports so I can just talk and talk and talk because there's a lot going on. I'm going to start with the golf though, because that is what was on my mind today. We have the Players' Championship, the second biggest tournament in the golf world besides the Masters, and it has been a nightmare for the players. 40 mile an hour wins, balls going into the water left and right, and nobody can really find their stroke. The leaders right now are guys that haven't been in the top five in their career before. The top guys are falling down because of these conditions, and we're only in round three on Sunday because they had to postpone the first couple. So everyone's off schedule, but it just makes the, the golf is already hard enough, and it's just making it that much harder. So like I said, the leaders, I can't even name them for you right now. I don't even know their names off the top of my head because they're unranked players who this is their first or second tournament or they've been on the tour and haven't made a name for themselves yet. So it's going to be really interesting going into the uh, the final days to see who comes away. Does Justin Thomas go on a run? Does he come back up? Right. Or do any other Americans that are prominent in the golf world come up and and make a run? So can't wait to watch the end of that. I'm unfortunately going to be at school tomorrow, so I won't be able to see it. But whoever wins that, it's going to be an insane. They're going to win with maybe eight under, which you just never see as a tournament winner unless it's one of the hardest courses in the world. So really, really interesting what we got going on in golf. Now I'm going to segue. That's all. I just, just super brief. I just wanted to let you guys know if you have been watching how terrible the conditions are, how terrible it really has been. I've been watching it. It's been awful. But I'm going to segue into baseball because guess what, guys? The MLB lockout is over. We are back. I never thought I'd see this day. I never thought that Rob Manfred and the owners and the players would come to an agreement, but they finally did. And you know what that means. Free agency is off and running. Free agency is now jumping Right away, we have Correa rumors. We have Freddie Freeman rumors. The Giants, my favorite team, signed the best pitcher on the market and Carlos Radon. I don't know what is going on. It is straight madness. But I'm just so happy the lockout's over. Only 25 days until opening day. Um, It's going to be really short spring training, kind of just guys getting loose for the season. And we're going to play all 162. We're back to normal double headers. No ghost runner on second. And extra innings, and and it's just the purest form of baseball I've seen in a while, except for the fact no shifts, no DH, and bigger bases, which is interesting. But as far as the CBA, I'm just really proud they came to an agreement, and now we have a new labor deal, and we are ready to freaking go. So I'm going to break down some free agency predictions, where I see guys landing really quickly, as far as the top free agents go that are still available. So I'm going to start with Freddie Freeman. And although I hate to say this, The Braves don't seem like they're going to pay him. They don't seem like they're going to pay their franchise guy. 
And it's a really sad thought because of all he brought to that franchise, he stuck with him through thick and thin, and they finally won a championship. And you'd think most teams after winning the championship would be the run it back mentality. The let's let's do this again. Let's bring our guys back. But the Braves are are drawing away from that. It looks like they're going to lose Jock. And they're also going to lose Freddie Freeman to another team in the National League, and that's the Los Angeles Dodgers. Because you know what the Dodgers do? They spend money, and they spend a lot of it. And if the Braves aren't willing to pay Freddie, he's going to go back to where he grew up, and he's going to be the first baseman for the Los Angeles Dodgers. Now, Muncy's out. He tore his UCL last year. I don't know if we remember, but it was towards the end of the season. He didn't even play in the playoffs. Um, His shoulder just completely tore apart, it seemed like. So Freddie's going to fill that void. I also saw that Nelson Cruz, prominent DH in the MLB, is between the Dodgers and Padres. This is two final destinations. Where will he go? So this whole DH dynamic is contributing to where these guys fall, how teams approach free agency. Because NL teams never approach free agency this way, ever, ever. But now they're approaching it in the way of we need a power hitter and we need it now. So really interesting. So, But I do see the Dodgers landing Freddie. I see it being about 10 years, 300 mil, because they can they can pay that. They have so many owners, so much money, and it just makes perfect sense. So I see Freddie Freeman as a Los Angeles Dodger. Now, Carlos Correa. This one is super interesting. You know, I don't know. I don't know. Carlos Correa, I can see him with, I heard Cubs rumors, which I don't get. Personally, if I'm a Cubs fan, I know a couple Cubs fans, you go full rebuild mode because you're not going to win that division now with the Brew Crew and the Cards. You're just not. So you might as well sit back. Let's develop Nick Madrigal. Let's develop the prospects we got last year in the Chris Bryant deal. Let's make the best of the situation we're in rather than signing a big contract in Correa. I'd save all the money. And I, I do see they're thinking, you know, they got Stroman, which I didn't really get either. I do see they're thinking, you know, Correa's young, hits for power, kind of the ideal prospect or ideal he's not a prospect but the ideal shortstop you want in today's game just a powerful shortstop that can hit a lot of home runs that's what Tatis is that's what Correa is and that's what story is but when it's all said and done I think Carlos Correa is a New York Yankee I'm gonna stand by this I don't care what the rumors are um Carlos Correa fits that mold perfectly Glaber Torres has not been the answer for the last couple years even if they move him to second um Mr. Correa can slide right in at short and I'm not saying the Yankees are a shortstop away but honestly that is their one weak spot in the lineup and if they fill that you could even put Glaber at third LeMahieu at second I mean there's just so many options you have so I think Correa goes to the Yankees for a similar 300 million dollars because that's what Seager got and in my opinion Seager is worse than Correa so Correa should get about the same amount of money and then there's Trevor Story all of these what a shortstop class we have, right? And I think Trevor Story is going to be a St. Louis Cardinal or a Houston Astro. Now, Houston Astros just signed Nico Goodrum from the Tigers, who's an absolute stud, super young player, hits a lot of base hits. Um, so I would say Story before the last couple of days. But now I am leaning towards him being a Cardinal and teaming back up with Noel Arenado on the left side of the infield. I would love this move. I think the Cardinals need a shortstop because Paul DeYoung is not good. He's not good. So it would be a perfect fit. And, you know, the Cardinals have money to spend, right? Their pitching isn't ideal. They don't have the best starting pitching, but they have a good pen. 
and they're in a very winnable division. So I think Story's the move, and I think he would flourish with Nolan Arenado by his side once again. Now, if I'm going to give you an early, a super early World Series prediction, I'm going to break it down like this. In the NL, there's five teams that I think could win a World Series or make it. It's the Giants. It's the Dodgers. It's the Padres. It's the Cardinals. And finally, it is the Mets. So those five teams can all win in the NL. Now, if I were to predict now, I would say my Giants. Because I think they have unfinished business. And I think they just brought in Radon. And they're going to bring in another DH. And I think the young, accompanied by the vets like B-Craw and all that, I just think they're going to bring their swagger back again. And they're going to make it to the World Series. So I would give the Giants right now in the NL. And that's not even biased. If you say it's biased, I'm sorry. It's not biased. I'm just observing who I think is going to make it. And I think the San Francisco Giants are, based off of how their roster is assembled. I think they have the best roster in baseball. Now, and they have the Magic. In the American League, we also have five teams. Those are the White Sox, Yankees, Blue Jays, Rays. And the fifth is the Houston Astros. Now, the Astros are only on this list because... They're good every year, and you know they're going to be contenders every year. It doesn't even matter. When you have Bregman, when you have the pitching they do, when you have Ryan Presley in the back end, you're going to win a lot of games, and they're probably going to win the division again, and they're probably going to win the division for the next five years because they have Altuve, and they have Kyle Tucker, and they have so many guys. So those are the five in the AL. Now, if I were to predict one team out of those five at the moment, it would be the Toronto Blue Jays. I just really like the young talent they have there, the guys they brought in pitching, the bullpen's a concern, but I like where they play. I'd go Giants-Blue Jays right now. That would be the preseason World Series prediction. Um, so yeah, that's what we got there. A lot's going to keep going on in the MLB world. I'm going to keep you updated. If, su- if stuff goes on, I'll say it on the live tonight. We're going to do a whole Q&A, long sesh, Sunday night. It's going to be fun. So that's what I got as far as the MLB is concerned. Now, NBA and college hoops is going to take up the majority of this podcast because there is just so freaking much to talk about. We're going to start with the NBA because, you know, with March Madness coming up, it's going to be a lot longer. So as far as the NBA is concerned, I talked about this on live, not as much on this podcast so far, but James Harden is now a sixer. He's with Embiid. They're a big threat out in the East. Obviously, the Bucks are still a threat because Giannis, Drew, and Chris Middleton, they're all phenomenal players. The Nets got Ben Simmons in return. They got Seth Curry in return. They got Drummond in return. And they are ready to compete for a championship. The Heat are phenomenal. The Raptors are showing a lot of good signs. The East is stacked. The Bulls, the East is stacked. There are so many teams. Now, out West, it's not, it's not, as, not as many. I'm thinking three teams, four teams. I'll give you four teams that can make it to the finals out West. Suns, Warriors, Nuggets, and Grizzlies. Those are the four teams out West that can make it. Now, if I were to predict, since the Warriors aren't even healthy yet, I see them making to the finals out West. And I see the Bucks making it to the finals out in the East. I see Warriors, Bucks. I see the Bucks winning the championship for the second year in a row. 
which would establish Giannis as one of the best power forwards of all time already. But that's what I see because I don't see the Warriors guarding a seven-footer when it comes to big games. But I see the Warriors making the finals because I don't think they'll have an issue with the other Western teams. So those are just my quick finals predictions. Now I'm going to go deeper. So the MVP race this year, frankly, is super, super tight. Embiid is playing like an MVP. John Morant has a case. Luka is balling out. Steph has a case. Jokic has a case. Giannis has a case. But if voters look themselves in the eye, they look in the mirror, they will say that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the MVP because he is. And the only reason he's not going to win it this year is one one thing. And it is called voter fatigue. And I talk about this a ton on my podcast, a ton on my lives. But voters don't like voting the same guy for the same award. They never have. It's just not a thing you see in sports. But Giannis is averaging 29 points a game, 12 rebounds, 6 assists. Those are MVP numbers with the third best team in the East. Probably going to win another championship. We got to stop being ridiculous with ourselves. Yeah, Embiid has a case. Of course he does. But he's not putting up the same rebounding numbers or the playmaking numbers that Giannis is. It's sheer dominance for Giannis. And I think we're overlooking that. Nobody's even talking about Giannis. He's average. I see him putting up 40 all the time. 40. 12 rebounds. Insane. Jokic, same thing. Really overlooked. I see 18 rebound games. A ton. A ton. But it's all about Embiid. And Embiid's probably going to win the award because of it. And I agree. I can see what, what why Embiid would win. But if I were a voter, I would vote for Giannis Antetokounmpo. Because he's, he's been that good, that efficient. He's the best big in the league. He's the best player in basketball right now. There's nobody better. Giannis is the best. But the only he might get held back because of the voters. He might. And I can see where, why Embiid should win. I see why Jokic should win. And I see why Giannis should win. And I think that Giannis Antetokounmpo is the best player in basketball and should win the freaking award. Come on, guys. <laughs> so uh, that's what I had as far as the NBA. Really brief. A lot of good stuff going on. Lakers continue to suck. Um, yeah, I like where the T-Wolves are trending as far as future years go. But um, just really fun hoops there. So now I'm going to get to what you've all been waiting for. The biggest moment. It's March Madness, baby. March Madness is right around the corner. I talked about it at the beginning. Tuesday, we start our preliminary. I'm going to review all the conference uh, championship winners because that was a big deal. Who I think is going to succeed in March Madness, my sleepers. I'm not going to reveal my full bracket yet. I'm not going to make it yet. I got to review a lot of team film. I got to make sure I do this right. Because I'm going to have a perfect bracket, baby. Let's do it. So, conference winners. We had Gonzaga win the WCC. They beat St. Mary's. Um, St. Mary's, though, don't sleep on them. I saw the way they're seated um, in March Madness. I love the bottom of their bracket. I think they could really walk through. I I think they can make an Elite Eight appearance. Um, There's a lot of just winnable games. A lot of winnable games. So, they're going to work through that bottom of the bracket, but Gonzaga still won. Gonzaga is still the favorite. I still think they make the final four. Um, for the SEC, we had, we had Tennessee win. They look phenomenal. Their ball movement is some of the best in the country. 
um, so many weapons. They can beat you in so many different ways. They really, really break a zone well. A lot of good passing. Quick, quick, quick. And, you know, that's how you succeed. So, just phenomenal there. The Hokies, Virginia Tech won the ACC upset Duke last night. That was incredible. Um, the Hokies are going to be a threat. You know, every time, it's all about getting hot at the right time in any sport. And the Hokies are hot at the right time, to put it simply. They are rolling, and they just won the ACC all-time high. Um, you know, obviously, it's unfortunate that Coach K couldn't win a conference in his final season, but um, super proud of the Hokies, and they deserve it. They played great last night. Um, in the Pac-12 out west, we had Arizona beating UCLA. I'm going to keep saying it, guys. UCLA is a fraud team. They're, they're frauds. They're going to lose in the uh, second or third round. I feel the same way about USC. I don't like the way they're assembled. I don't like the way they work on the defensive end, and they just don't have enough options. They only can beat you one way. Johnny Juzang Iso, Jaime Hawkes three, or Tiger, Tiger Campbell going off. And USC plays through Isaiah Mobley, and that's it. So if you can, with both of those teams, if you can beat them in that way, they're not going to beat you. Um, USC's got Miami University first round. I think they're going to lose. I think Miami U is going to beat USC in the first round of March Madness. Um, I just like their, the way their team assembled. Their guard play is a lot better. They don't rely on one dude, like I said. And in March Madness, you need multiple bodies to beat a good team. So those are my concern teams. UCLA, USC. I also am really concerned about Purdue and Wisconsin. Um, I don't like the way they've been playing. I don't like the way they're coming into this tournament. Jaden Ivey is phenomenal. He's going to be a top five lotto pick, but in college, his game doesn't always work. Now, Keegan Murray on Iowa, he's a college player, but won't succeed in the NBA. They're very different games. College is a lot more fundamental, a lot more just scoring the ball in the mid-range, being able to hit open threes, not so flashy, whereas Ivey's just sheer athleticism, um, great handle, quick. So both of those are great too. So um, yeah. If I were to give you a couple of sleepers going into March Madness, I wouldn't sleep on Arkansas. Don't sleep on Arkansas. They're a hell of a team. Don't sleep on Alabama. They're a hell of a team. And yeah, St. Mary's. St. Mary's. My squad. I'm rolling with St. Mary's. I think they're running through the bottom half of that bracket. So those are the tournament winners in the major conferences. Um and yeah, there were other teams that snuck in. Villanova won the East, which was awesome. Um, Villanova's like the Spurs of college. They're the Spurs of college. Jay Wright is such a great coach, and he's going to get you there almost every single year. They're going to be competing for something big. So props to Villanova. They they balled out yesterday. And um, But Providence is still going to be scary in the tournament. I think they're a little overrated too, though. So I'm going to do a full March Madness breakdown when I do my bracket, why I pick each game. But this was just a little preview on what I had to offer as far as that goes. And to, and to finalize this podcast, we're going to be talking about the NFL and stuff that went down. I'm going to start with Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to start with Aaron Rodgers getting $50 million a year for four years. And I'm just flabbergasted by this. And I'll tell you why. Aaron Rodgers hasn't been able to get over the hump almost every single season except the one year he won the Super Bowl. But you're just going to keep paying him and paying him and paying him. And if it doesn't work, why would it work next year? Especially with Tom Brady just announcing that he is coming out of retirement. I just don't get it. Yeah, he is the second best QB 
in the league behind Patrick Mahomes. That is obvious. He just wanted back-to-back MVPs. I get it. But to win in football, you need to be good at multiple positions. And what the Packers should have done is they should have saved some of that money, gone and got a good special teams player, go get another kicker. Maybe you could win games that way. No, but honestly, go get another linebacker. Go get another receiver. Fill your needs, right? Force Aaron Rodgers to not get paid $50 million. That is ridiculous. Nobody should be making that much money. So I just didn't like that, especially because they're not getting over the hump a lot. They're losing in the NFC Championship, losing in the second round. And now it doesn't get any easier, like I said, with Tom Brady today. He was retired for two weeks, gentlemen. Two weeks! Now he's out of retirement. He's going to play his 23rd freaking season. This guy just doesn't go away. He's going to play till I'm 40. He's going to be like in a wheelchair before he stops playing. Honestly, though, unfinished business in Tampa is what he said, and I quote, it's insane what he is doing. And now the Bucks are now South favorites once again. Saints fans are crying. Panthers fans are crying. What can they do? They got to get this guy out of the division somehow. They thought they had a chance with him retiring, but no. But no, he's not. He is back and better than freaking ever. Um, Khalil Mack was also traded to the Chargers recently. Bears got absolutely fleeced. I mean, it was ridiculous. Um, Amari Cooper was traded to the Browns, which is super interesting. I'm going to keep up on that. Close tabs on that. Um, and yeah, as far as my Niners go, uh, Jimmy G is going to be gone in the coming days. And it's going to be Trey Lance season, especially with uh, Tom Brady running the back in, in Tampa. I know there was a thought of him coming to the Niners to start the season, but um, no, he he's... He's not. He's going to play again with Tampa Bay because um, he has unfinished business. So a lot, lot of stuff going on in the NFL. Um, it's going to be a busy offseason. There's going to be a lot more stuff going on last, in the next couple of days in the NFL draft. Once the NFL draft comes, where does Malik Willis come? Where does Kenny Pickett fall? Does Kayvon Thibodeau go number one? There's just so many questions surrounding this draft. A lot of talent. I think it was, uh, you know, coming into the draft, a lot of people. But yeah, it's going to be absolutely interesting. I don't know why I said absolutely interesting. It's going to be super uh, intriguing to see what happens. But um, yeah, phenomenal. Phenomenal day. Phenomenal week in sports. So excited to recap it all with you guys. 22 minutes long. That was a long podcast. Uh, Thank you guys for tuning in. I'm going to keep doing this weekly. This one was kind of rushed because there was just so much to talk about. I'm talking so fast. Um, But love you all and uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your week. We will see you next Sunday for episode two of season three, baby. Peace. Love you all. Thank you.